Tonight we've got a few things to chat through from your check-in feedback. It's not going to be um, a particularly sort of long or um, ranty one today as it has been the last couple of weeks where I've sort of gone off on a, on a big tangent about something and sort of uh, spoke at you for a while. I want to get really practical in tonight's session and I want to run you through a few key things. So we're going to talk about nutrition approaches and give you a bit of a recap on that. Then I'm going to give you some really practical tips to help you with tracking your nutrition. If you're someone who is tracking calories, this is going to be really useful. If you're someone who's just eyeballing, this can also be useful as well. And then finally, I'm going to talk to you <clears throat> about the mental health menu. So this is a little bit, well, it's, it's very, very similar to the old self-care menu that I used to talk about, but I'm going to explain why we've come up with this different version and how it's different and why that's important. And we're going to go through that. So three sort of key areas to talk about tonight. And as always, if you guys have got any questions whatsoever, please drop them in the chat, let me know, and we can get to them as we go through. So let's get straight into it. First of all, I want to start by just recapping nutrition approaches because we've had a bunch of new um, people join the team over the last sort of five weeks or so. And it's something that I think every couple of months is really useful just to go back and touch base on. Now, when it comes to nutrition approaches, you can think about them as least invasive on your life. So they take the least amount of time, they're the least invasive on your lifestyle, but they're also the least accurate all the way through to the other end of the spectrum, can't see my hand, to the other end of the spectrum where you have most invasive on your life. They take the most time, the most effort, all the rest of it, but they are also the most accurate. And unfortunately, I said this to one of you in your check-ins this, this week, unfortunately, there's a pro and con to everything. You can't have it all. Life would be amazing if you could have all the good stuff and none of the rubbish stuff, right? Unfortunately, that's not how life works. We've got to suck it up and we've got to make our best choice, right? We've got to make our best decision given what we know. So if you want to be super, super accurate with your nutrition, you're not going to be able to just use a balanced plate, which is very, very much down the less invasive side and less accurate. That's not going to be very accurate. It's going to help you get fruits and veggies in. It's going to help you increase your protein. And for some people, that might be all it takes to create a calorie deficit because it might be a huge leap of progress from their previous way of eating to create a calorie deficit and to lose body fat if that is your goal or if that's not your goal and you're just here to sort of have better health and longevity and um, better wellness then of course a balanced plate might do the trick however that is probably one of the least invasive ways to, to manage your nutrition but it's the least one of the least accurate all the way through to tracking calories and protein is going to be the most invasive on your life but it is going to give you potentially the more the, the best results because it's going to allow you to be very very specific with your calorie intake now when it comes to just talk about fat loss when it comes to fat loss we all know this we've all covered it to maintain our current body weight at our current activity level we need a certain amount of calories right Let's call these 2,000 calories, just as a bog standard figure. That is your maintenance number through your digestion, your movement, your um, rest, and your exercise. You burn 2,000 calories a day. Again, bog standard figure, not talking to anyone specifically. And if you eat those 2,000 calories a day back, you maintain your weight, muscle and body fat. That's it. If you eat less than your maintenance, you're in what we call a calorie deficit. Therefore, you're in a deficit of energy, just like a battery not having enough energy. If a battery didn't have enough energy, we'd have to plug a different battery in, right, to, cut, to come up with a deficit. What happens is we reduce the calories, we've got a shortfall of energy, the body hasn't got the energy, so it goes, right, 
crap, haven't got the energy I need. What have I got lacking, uh, uh, lying about? What, what, what have I got to replace what I'm lacking? We've got muscle we can break down. That's quite hard to do. Don't really like doing that. Oh, we've got, the, got all this body fat that we stored away for a rainy day from other times where we've overeaten. Okay, let's chuck that on the fire. Let's burn that body fat to, for the rest of the energy. That's essentially how it works in a, in a bit of a non-scientific way, okay? But that's, that, that's fat loss. Doesn't matter really when just on numbers on paper, doesn't matter how you do it. You can do that on McDonald's. There's studies where people have done it on the Twinkie diet where they literally ate in a, in a calorie deficit but just ate Twinkies, the American uh, sugary snack thing, and they lost body fat. Their health was horrendous and they felt like, you know, terrible, but they still lost body fat. So that's a calorie deficit. Now, when we're talking about losing body fat and we're thinking about a nutrition approach, we need to think about a few things. Number one, what can I sustain for a longer period of time, thinking 12 weeks and beyond? What do I enjoy and helps me fit into my lifestyle? What rate of loss am I looking for? If I'm looking for a much quicker rate of loss, I'm going to need to be much more accurate. And that's fine. But I'm also going to need to accept that that's going to take a bigger amount of effort. It's going to cause more of a hindrance on my lifestyle. For example, calorie tracking. Likewise, if I'm happy with a slower rate of body fat loss, however, uh, and and sorry, and I'm happy with, um, and, and I'm looking for, so I'm happy with a slower rate of loss and I'm looking for something that doesn't really affect my lifestyle. I can kind of eyeball it and sort of, you know, keep it, keep it pretty, pretty low key and pretty calm. Uh, don't need to sort of get you know over focused on it sort of thing then I can portion control I can just increase protein I can reduce my carbohydrate portion and just eat more vegetables for example that can work really well so there's a whole spectrum so what are the options and where do they fall along the spectrum let's go through these then portion control using the hand model the balance plate like I said these this is very much down the less accurate and um, less intensive, uh, invasive on your lifestyle. It doesn't really take much effort. Then we can move along and we can talk about doing that and then maybe reducing highly palatable foods, those high calorie, low nutrient foods, biscuits, crisps, chocolate, cake, stuff that are some of the time foods instead of all the time foods, okay? Then we might move along again. We might put something in place like fasting. So we might use time restriction. We might skip breakfast. We might skip lunch. We might do a... Um, a 5-2 fast, so we might eat five days as we are now and then fast for two days. That's another way, right? Intermittent fasting, essentially fasting every now and then. It's really, really all it is to it. Someone will make it much more complicated and sell you a book, but that's literally the approach, right? We could then go to maybe tracking our off days. So days where we're, you know, Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday, Monday to Friday, we eat pretty in a pretty standard way we have similar breakfast lunches and dinners we know that that's calorie managed and, and that's working weekends we might track because we know that that's going to be a little bit different to our regular schedule programming then we might decide to track calories okay we might then track calories and protein okay so you can see how these approaches are becoming more and more in, sort of invasive of your lifestyle as we go through now there's a few things if let's say we're tracking calories we can do calorie cycling so we might have monday to thursday this number of calories and then we might go Friday to Sunday at a slightly higher calorie intake okay so we might have lower during the week and higher on the weekend because what's going to happen is we can have more optimal uh, more flexible choices over the weekend and then we can average out that calorie intake over the week so we don't need to eat exactly the same number of calories every single day because as always like we always say guys it's about your weekly average it's not about hitting it day to day. Body fat loss doesn't really occur on a day to day basis. It occurs in weeks, months and years, which is why I always say never get bogged down in the day to day. So that's something else we can do. 
Now, I want to really, really stress this. Hey guys, we've got Helen, we've got Helen, we've got Georgina, we've got Jack, we've got Lydia, we've got Karen, we've got Yolanda, we've got Holly. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Um, so I really want to stress that no matter what the approaches that we're using at the moment between, between us, the end goal is always intuitive eating always intuitive eating and that means listening to your body listening to your hunger signals but also what it means is applying your knowledge of nutrition now i am a nutritionist by qualification right aside from being a qualified coach that's my that's my sort of foundation so i bang on about nutrition an awful lot because it is really important so this is something that i'm very passionate about but the thing that really gets my goat is when we get people on social media who are saying don't do this don't again if anyone says anything blanketly is is a, is a bad way to do it you know that they've got an agenda if someone says actually it depends that it's a gray area this will work for sally but it won't work for joan for example if someone just talks common logical sense and says it's going to depend on you as a person that's the kind of person that you should probably listen to because it sounds like they've got a balanced approach if someone says don't do this it's the devil do this one golden thing that's going to save your life that's when you know they've probably got something to sell you right so don't listen try not to listen to those extremes because they're going to try and you know push their agenda listen to the person who's balanced in the middle it it depends the thing that i get i see a lot on social media is people who are you again i don't want to stereotype but usually this is the demographic usually it's um male or female pts usually early to mid 20s um usually around mid 20s actually who have tracked calories since they were 16 so they've been tracking calories for 10 years they go to the gym every day and always have done right it's their job to look the way that they look and they want to sort of set themselves apart from the rest of the health and fitness industry so they start to input to push intuitive eating and i completely agree like i said intuitive eating is the end goal for all of you here for absolutely everyone it is the end goal it's an approach it's 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 the goal basically it's not it's not essentially it's not really some it's an approach to have for a few months it's what we want to finish on sort of thing it's what you want to live the rest of your life on listening to your body and applying your knowledge of nutrition but these influence quite influencers quite often who are pushing intuitive eating they've tracked calories for a load of time they've got experience with nutrition they don't struggle with emotional eating they don't struggle with their food environment most of them don't really have families i've tend you know again i don't want to stereotype but this is sort of what i see online but they're pushing intuitive eating as a slightly different agenda to get your attention now the problem is, is that if I said to you six months ago, just listen to your body and do what your body is telling you to do. Six months ago, your body was probably telling you to eat X amount of chocolate biscuits, cakes and crisps, which again, some of the time foods, moderation foods, There's probably your body and brain were probably telling you to eat that kind of stuff all the time, every evening, over the weekend, as your 3pm snack. Your body doesn't naturally tell you to eat fruits and vegetables. Your body doesn't tell you to eat more protein. So... It is about listening to your body and your hunger signals once you've actually understood the principles of nutrition, which is exactly the approach we take. We educate you so that you can then go off and eat intuitively. There's no point in me saying, just listen to what your body's saying. Just feel the vibes, you know, listen to the body, tell, go with what the wind is telling you, right? Listen to the moon, just, just go with it, right? Just feel feel the vibrations, do, do, what the, do what the wind is telling you. There's no point in me saying that because you've got no sort of basis of what to go from. You might not really understand protein. You might not really understand calories. You might not really understand, you know, fiber or food choices. 
you might really struggle with emotional eating. You might struggle with your food environment or your partner's support. So me just saying to you, eat intuitively, is about as helpful as a chocolate teapot. Before we get to the point where we eat intuitively, we need to understand calories. We need to understand protein. We need to know why fruits and veggies are so important. And we need to build it up slowly. Because if I say, like I said, go and eat intuitively, you're going to sort of feel overwhelmed and you're actually going to damage your self-belief because you go off and try to eat intuitively and two weeks down the line, you fail at it because no one's shown you how. So that's why intuitive eating is the end point rather than something that we do right then and there. Now, some of you in the group, you've been with me long enough and you are in eating intuitively and you are happy with the progress and you are seeing the changes you want to make. But every single one of those people in the team who are eating in that way, they're still meal planning. They're still managing their emotional eating. They're still having times where every few months they go back and they track their calories for a few days to get their um, eyeballing back, just like I do, so you can be accurate with it. It's not a sort of one-stop shop. It's something that we build up to. So anyway, that's my spiel about intuitive eating because it is important, it is the goal, but there's a process to get there. You can't just parachute someone in because it just doesn't work like that. It's not another agenda to push. So that's why I wanna sort of cover on nutrition approaches. If you want to change your nutrition approach, if you want to try any of these things out, ask me, talk to me about it, and we will obviously build that into your program and we can do that together. So moving on, let's talk about tracking. So this is for people who are using portion control, managing those highly palatable foods, those some of the time foods, and specifically for people who are tracking using something like your inbuilt tracker on your um, app, or maybe my fitness pal or NutriCheck. So I just want to give you some real basic tracking tips. Now, before this session, I tagged you all in a video, a, a my fitness pal tutorial video, where I run through with a screen share and I explain most of these things to you. But I want to cover some of the basics that apply to pretty much yeah to all of all of those other apps as well because I know like Helen I know that what you use something different I know some people are using um, the inbuilt uh, tracker on your app some people are using my fitness pal it depends on what you thrive off as a person what what works best with your lifestyle so when it comes to these apps most of them have a barcode scanner my fitness pal you now have to pay extra for it's behind a paywall which is a pain in the bum um, but some people have not paid for it and managed to keep it on their app because they haven't updated their app or whatever so if you do have a barcode scanner which most of them do now use the barcode scanner be wary i've scanned i think it was like ketchup or something i scanned before and it came up with cheese or something random i think it's eggs and cheese or something so don't just scan it and move on scan it check the back of the packaging as well and just make sure that okay it says it's 30 grams for this well 100 grams is this divide that by three in my head okay that's about right cool it doesn't need to take 10 minutes it's literally a 10 second check when you are going on to your settings on your app, you can do this now with me if you want to. Lots of them start you off with fractions. So it's like one and a quarter hot cross buns. That's obviously a little bit complicated when you get into weighted measurements. So if I was you, I'd switch that to decimals because you because you can say, okay, I've got 0.5 of 100 grams and that's, that's 50, right? Easily done. If the food that you're tracking can be made into one gram, so you'll know what I'm talking about if you are tracking, you know, you scan chicken breast and it either says 100 grams, or you can click the drop down menu where it says one gram. I'd always go for choosing the one gram option because then you can just say 50 servings of one gram, that's 50 grams, okay? And this is all on your app. Um, just, you know, I would probably get your app out now and sort of follow me along with this. So just make sure it's in decimals. If you're searching and you're not using the barcode scanner, I would really encourage you to search the name of the supermarket or the name of the brand, followed by literally what is on the packaging. Because 
the thing with my fitness pal, mostly my fitness pal, some of the other ones as well, but mostly my fitness pal, the thing with that is that anyone can input information. So when you go on there, you'll see an apple for 25 calories and an apple for 250 calories. This is where the problem is because it's an open database. Anyone can put any old rubbish in there. So you've got to be quite specific with it. So just make sure you search using the right product name if you're not using the barcode scanner. Cross-check with the back of the packaging. Be wary of false information. Now, here's one that I hear a lot. People will measure out, um, what way round is it? Let me get this right. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'll come back to that. So let's say um, you're measuring out rice or pasta. Measure it out dry. Because if you were to measure out, for example, 75 grams of penne pasta, okay, that's going to be cooked and that's then going to weigh 170 grams, right? So I can't figure out which way around it is off the top of my head. I don't know why my brain's not working tonight. Clearly, clearly it's... Uh, eight o'clock at night but if you weigh it one way it can potentially be a lot more calories if you track it incorrectly do you see what i mean so always track the dry weight um and then you know when you serve it up it's going to be it's going to be right so i would always track it 75 grams for example of dry penne pasta is about 170 grams uh cooked it's gonna say wet then cooked um and then i can't remember it's something like 285 calories or 300 calories or something i don't know off the top of my head if that's right i'm quite impressed um but you can see how that can change between the weight changes massively um over double between cooked and dry right so just weigh it dry stay consistent if you're cooking for a family let's say you're cooking for you and one other person I would put in, I don't know, 100, 150 grams of dry pasta. And then when you serve it up, you literally just eyeball it. You look at it and go, well, put it on the plate, right? That's about half. That's about half. Give it a little shake. Yep, yeah, about half. You don't need to weigh it out perfectly. But if you wanted to, you could. But you can literally eyeball it from that point because you know that's gone in there. That's two portions and you can separate it. And you can track it that way. So you don't need to go too in depth with this stuff. Someone um, today mentioned about sort of just forgetting to track and I totally get it. If my scales are in the cupboard, literally that's enough of a barrier. It's what, like five seconds and it probably uses about five muscles, right? To reach down, open the cupboard and get the scales out. But for me, that's enough of a barrier for my brain to go, nope, not doing that. Forget about it. And, I'll, and I won't track. So I li literally leave my scales on the side night before so i'm just reminded to track my breakfast and that's the next thing i'll say if you are someone who struggles to track and struggles to get ahead with it please do input your breakfast if you can just get started it's like breaking the back of any task if you get a little bit done first and then go for a break and come back to it you feel like you've really got the wheels in motion and things already moving so track the night before track prospectively rather than retrospectively if you get to the end of the day and you try and track you might have already got, gone over your calorie intake, which is fine. You can just re, you know reduce calories on another day or, or you can sort of moderate it over the week and manage it over the week. It's not the end of the world, obviously. And that's why we always use a range. You know, I'll never say eat 1,800 calories. I'll say eat 17 to 1,800 because it doesn't matter about hitting any specific number. It's just about the rough range because that range will obviously be multiplied over the week. So just make sure that you are mindful of these things and you are sort of putting them in place because at the end of the day it is if you are tracking calories it is really really important right um yeah i think that's what i want to say on that one yeah spot on I feel like i've left a point un unfinished there but let's move on so um when you're talking about the um 
making sort of it easier and making family recipes? This is a big question. How do I cook for the family, but then still track my nutrition? And on the apps like MyFitnessPal, no worries, Kareen. Thanks for joining me for the bit that you could. Hope the meeting goes all right. Bit of a late one. Bless you. Have a good one. Um, so when you're cooking for a family, what you can do is um, use the recipes tab. So what you do there is you input the gross the gross ingredients. So let's say you've got a HelloFresh or something, which is great because I'll get to that in a second. But let's say you've got, I don't know, a recipe from a recipe book that doesn't have the nutrition. You can put all the ingredients in. And then it says divide by or how many servings and you can say it serves five people and it automatically divvies up your calories and your protein. So you can use the recipe tab and the recipe creator to, to make that quicker. The thing I'm going to say is if you're new to this whole calorie tracking thing, you've got to remember that it's not the tracking that creates the calorie deficit. Calories are always going to count whether you track them or not. You, we can't bury our head in the sand. It's, it's literally energy in, energy out. But the tracking part is there to make to help you be more accurate with it. So when you are tracking for a family, you've got to remember that when you very first start, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a little while to get used to it because you've never done it before. It's a new skill. It's a new app. You're finding your way with it. But give it just one week. On average, most people eat about the same 15 to 20 meals on a rotation most weeks of the year. Okay. We don't generally have as much variety in our food as we think we do. For example, we were late with the food shopping, we do a click and collect, and Shana just sort of came up with the meals. And I literally guessed six out of the seven meals that she had written down, because they are meals that we always have. It was like homemade fish and chips, homemade beef burger, um, chili con carne, um, pizza, there was like crispy chili beef. There was, And I just guessed the ones we always have and that's exactly what she'd put down. So it's just a really good example of we don't actually have as much variety in our, in our food as we think. We just slightly change it a little bit, right? So what I mean is give it a week or two, you're going to come back to it and you, all the meals that you need to track are already in the app, already done. And if you're clever about it, you don't need to keep tracking. You can literally duplicate meals. You can copy them over. You can use the recipe tab. And you can make sure that you're cutting down how long this takes you. So just a really sort of quick one on tracking your nutrition there. Like I say, use the recipes with nutrition information, Gusto, HelloFresh, all of my recipes, all the recipe cards, they've all got the nutrition information on them. All my recipes on the Instagram page, they've all got the nutrition information. So if you want to make this stuff easier, use recipes that already have it there. Give it a week or two, be patient, and you'll come up with this whole catalogue of foods that you can use. Now, if you are very, very clever about it, you know that our meal planner template, the one on Google Sheets that I've created for you, is full of recipes that you can copy and paste. It's got all the ingredients. It's even got hyperlinks back to the Instagram page where you can see what it's supposed to look like. Um, Samantha, I think you're with us tonight. She's amazing at this, creates the meal plan, put, even puts a photo in, Amazing, really, really good. And if you're having other people help you with the food shop or help you with um, me and Alex, we talked about this on Friday. If um, you've got someone who's helping you with the food shop, having a meal plan with the ingredients on is amazing because they know what they need to get. Everyone's on the same page and you can communicate that. So just a real sort of deep dive into tracking for you tonight. And again, use your favorites list, use your recents list. It'll be really, really useful. Have you got any questions? Because I know it's something that lots of you ask about. Lizzie said, sometimes I log my food in advance, sometimes up to two days in advance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a fantastic idea. And then I edit what I need to as I actually, as, as I, uh, as needed, if I, if what I actually eat differs to my plan. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Really, really good idea because it saves time. Just remember, 
this is here to, this is supposed to be here to make your nutrition more accurate but also to make your life easier so if you can do this as you meal plan that is incredible you might just do two days at a time but it doesn't need to be as invasive as we might think give it a few weeks and i can promise you it will get easier if you want a meal plan use recipes and write that nutrition information on your meal plan you might not even need to track your calories because you know that breakfast is 350 lunch is 400 dinner is 600 you know you can literally do it like that you don't need to use these apps if you're using recipes with the nutrition information but it might just be a good thing for you to get your get your sort of um knowledge up around what's in food it's amazing you know something like always starbucks for me or costa you scan scan for example you track the muffin it's like 450 calories for a muffin it's just like mind-blowing how can that much energy be in something so small it's just like pure dense energy um so it's just it's an eye-opener because you can bury we can bury our hands uh, our heads in the sand when it comes to nutrition if we really want to but ultimately it's still going to contain what it contains it's not actually going to help by doing that building an awareness around food is actually going to improve our relationship with it because it's going to allow us to intuitively um further down the line anyway coming to the end of tonight's session now I just wanted to really quickly run you through the new mental health menu now I'm going to shrink my head down a little bit there we go so you can see the full slide here now there's a big difference we've got our these are sort of the old self-care habits we've got things that take 0 to 5 5 to 15 15 or more minutes as we did before but this time i've broken it down into reactive strategies and proactive strategies and this is really really important so when we think about our stress we can think about it like a bucket like you can see on the right your bucket is going to depend on your general mental health and that's going to depend um, to some extent on your genetics and your DNA. It's going to depend on your life circumstances. It's going to depend on your relationships. It's going to depend on your sleep, your work, your job, your relationships, your children, your family, your childhood to an extent. Everything about your life is going to come in to, to shape how big your stress bucket is. Now, this is constantly flexing. It's constantly getting bigger and smaller. For example, you wake up on a day where you've had a terrible night's sleep. Your stress bucket, your capacity cup, if you like, is much smaller. Okay. On a day that you've rested, you've looked after yourself, you've got a walk in, that stress bucket is much bigger. And it's important to know that your stress bucket is constantly flexing and changing in size. Now, when we've got loads and loads of stress coming in, we can put boundaries in place. We can put a lid on the bucket. Now that lid is always going to have a certain number of holes in it. The higher your self-worth is, the higher you have self the more self-respect you have basically, the fewer holes there will be in that lid because you will feel more comfortable comfortable and confident. I can't speak tonight. Comfortable and confident to put that lid on and keep it firmly on. And you won't let much get through. However, if your self-respect is quite low and your self-worth is quite low at the moment, which is fine, we're all at different points in our journey, that lid that you put on, those boundaries, might have different size holes and more water, more people might overstep the mark and this you still might get some dribbling in. But it's important to put that lid on and get your boundaries right. When it comes to increasing the size of your stress bucket, now we can do some real sort of proactive work here. We can make sure we're prioritizing sleep. Okay, we can make sure we're getting out and getting enough daylight in. We can make sure we're taking time away from work. We're listening to podcasts or our favorite music on the way home from school. We are giving ourselves time to think. We're going through those morning, those a.m. and p.m. reflections that we've created. We are prepping our food. If there's a bill hanging over our head, we're paying it. If we've got 
a person we need to have a conversation with that we keep putting off and putting off and putting off, we can then go and deal with it. So these are the proactive strategies that actually make your bucket bigger. They give you more space to deal with what comes in throughout the day. So that's stuff that you do proactively. This is not really what we traditionally think of as self-care, but actually it's the truest form of self-care. It's like, I've said this before, it's like a slingshot. It takes effort to pull the slingshot back, but when you let it go, the stone actually goes and it disappears, right? And it actually goes over there. Whereas if we use self-care habits, um, or sorry, sorry, if we use self-soothing habits, things like having a glass of wine, you know, for some people this is maybe um, using food as a, as a um, coping strategy too much. For some people it's drugs, for some people it's, it's you know, um, Netflix, for some people it's, you know, all sorts of different things that we use to self-soothe and bring ourselves back down to baseline. If we overdo those habits, that's a bit like a boomerang. We throw it, we think it's the stress is gone, but it comes back and it hits us in the back of the head. Overusing the reactive strategies is like a credit card for stress. They're great, feels good in the in the in the beginning, but actually we end up owing more back afterwards. So there's proactive strategies, make your bucket bigger and there's reactive strategies and those reactive strategies are like poking holes in the bottom of your bucket now reactive strategies have their place and this is what most people call self-care so it's like i said having a glass of wine having a face mask having a bath watching netflix um there might be some other ones in there that are a little bit more positive like reading a book um having a nice meal spending time with a loved one listening to music these might be reactive strategies as well but the point of these strategies is to bring you back down to baseline to bring to calm you down to calm down your nervous system and to help you feel less stressed in the moment and bring you back down to equilibrium basically bring you back down to baseline once you're in that baseline place you can then go ahead and you can use proactive strategies to get ahead now if we own we don't set boundaries we don't use proactive strategies and we do what most people do and we just use reactive strategies and we just we've got all this stuff all this water flowing in and flowing into our bucket and all we're doing is there at the bottom poking these holes in thinking dear god please let enough water come out you know so this is people who leave all their self-care to the weekend and just hope to god that the weekend is enough for them to recover or they just do things that bring them back down to baseline they just use food or alcohol or netflix or even some of the more positive ones like i said like reading having a bath whatever if they rely on that they're not trying to make their bucket bigger they're not building their capacity and they're not putting a lid on it so you're never you're never gonna basically it's going to catch up with you you're never going to outrun it if all this is flowing in and you've only got a couple of holes in the bottom reactive strategies aren't enough but this is what most of us do naturally and this is what this is what is preached and pushed around self-care self-care it's sort of wishy-washy it's nice and yes it has its place but it's not the be all and end all like it's made out to be we need proactive self-care prepping your lunch and your breakfast putting your clothes out getting a good night's sleep turning off that last episode so you can get to bed and get a good night's sleep like I said, paying that bill, all these different things. The the stuff that takes effort, but long-term actually does proactively look after you and your mental health. So that's the mental health bucket. The, that is the mental health menu. Different ideas, of course, goes without saying. You've got ideas that are short that you can go to the bathroom at school and use. Things might, you know, reactive strategies might be like breathing, could be meditation, could be getting a breath of fresh air, having a cold glass of water, all these sorts of things. Moving up to longer ones, maybe um, going out, getting a walk in, things like that. And then might even be exercising because that's, again, a bit of a blend of the two. Proactive strategies, again, 
are going to be more of the longer ones, but you've got two different categories. So I hope that helps. I hope that's really, really clear for you. Give it a go. If you're someone who is trying to manage your stress, if you're someone who is trying to manage your mental health at the moment, give it a go. I'm going to share uh, or, or I'll tag everyone tomorrow because I can only do one tag a day. I'll tag everyone tomorrow in an example or I'll post an example in the group for you. Actually, that'll probably be easier. And you can just see my one and see what I do on a daily basis to help me manage my mental health. Anyway, guys, what questions do we have if we have any questions at all? Thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, Naya, I can see Naya's joined us. Thank you very much for joining me today. I hope it's been really useful.